Welcome, everyone, to your March 2015 edition of Voices of Experience. I'm your host, Michael Hoffman. Every month, VOE has the charge to bring you tips and techniques that grow your business and rock your platform. And this month, we've got a mashup. What do you get when you combine experts in storytelling and social media? You get a VOE that's full of ideas to help you create and ignite your message and know how to use that story and your relationships to grow your business on the internet. Let's concentrate the first half of this broadcast focusing on the topics of storytelling and then we'll move into social media. So let's get started. What better way to jump into storytelling than with one of our favorite returning reporters, CSP Dave Lieber. Dallas Morning News columnist Dave Lieber is back this month in his segment called The Writer's Block. And this month, Dave interviews storytelling legend Jeannie Robertson. Dave Lieber here with Jeannie Robertson, who I believe, and many, many millions of people agree, is one of America's, if not the funniest humorist in America. <laughs> Jeannie, you and I you. have had a running argument for about five years now. I know. As a writer, as a newspaper man and a speaker, I've always complimented you on your writing ability, and I say you are one of the best writers in America. And what do you say oh, when I say I'm that? I'm not a writer. And I'm that not is a just writer. bull. I know. Okay. Well, okay. <laughs> but first of all, anybody that compliments you, on anything. Mm -hmm. I appreciate it, I do. But uh, I don't look at myself as a writer in the same way I would look at you or John Gresham well, as the, writers. Okay, I can see why you would say that, but let me make the argument that when you go on the stage and you show these tremendous speaking abilities that you have, which are just unbelievably good, we all know that, that's a given. You don't get there unless you wrote what you're about to do well, beforehand. Do. You can write it in your head or you can write it in paper. And what we're gonna talk about today with everybody is how you write your Fantastic stories. Now, Jeannie has 20 million views on YouTube.com slash Jeannie Robertson, and also on the Family Comedy Channel on SiriusXM. She is one of the most popular people on satellite radio. That's how you've built your audience over internationally now in the prime of your life. Well, I'll tell you. I'm on channel 98 and 97, and as you said, that's the family comedy channel. You'd be very careful if you're driving along listening to these wonderful people at Sirius Eight. But if you turn that digit over one little number, and you come to the comedy of Raw Dog. That's right. And it will tear out the transmission of your automobile. It's, it's <laughs> you dirty. Want, it's bad. You don't want anybody to hear And you're that. clean, and you're family-oriented, and you're from North Carolina. Yep. And you come from the great tradition of North Carolina storytellers, Charles Corralt and Homer Bigot and all these great... Andy Griffith. Yep, yep. Yeah. So let's start off at the very beginning. Um, you start off with a blank sheet of paper. I have a journal system that I keep, and, and as I go every day, I don't care about where I ate lunch or, you know, how many hours I slept in the afternoon. The journal is only to find me story ideas. And at the top of the journal seat, it may have, for me leaving home, first encounter with the... Uh, airline people, mm -hmm. flight attendants, people in the gate area, blah, 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 and I am filling it in the entire day. I turn the sheets over with each speech, each trip to my assistant, and by the end of the year, four to 500 stories. I do not jot down a few words to remind me of the story because I lose what was funny if I do that. What do you mean by that? Well, it, if you write down, I've, I've stayed there I, in December when I stopped, for the year, I get these stories and I start looking through, and all I'm looking through is the top 20 that are really funny that I can do something with. But if I've just jotted down Boston Celtics 
something something and I sit there and think my gosh what was that I remember we were laughing we said it at the restaurant but what was it so I just go back and I try to write it in paragraph form as fast as I can I used to write it now of course it's, it's on the computer mm -hmm. and I write it as though it's going into Reader's Digest but I don't pay any attention to to the uh, punctuation or anything and I can capture what happened a lot better and you'd be surprised how many times you can take a story from here and then then in October and one in in June and blah 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 but they can bend to be blend to be a vignette. I always used to look for one funny thing a day if I could just get one funny thing a day I would have more material was my thinking than I could ever do and I don't mean somebody else's material but an idea. I, I figured out a long time ago that I don't have to write material. I just have to watch people and it will unfold. I'm very aware of looking at everything we do. You're using the old-fashioned pen and pencil method, aren't you? For I do, but on the journal I put it in the computer, of course. Do you and, write it into the computer? And I write it like a little Reader's Digest vignette that that's funny and you know you know what I'm talking about the little humorous yeah, things yeah. all the way through the ones they pay a lot of money big. for it. yeah but you may have out of 15 sections you may wind up you won't fill in every one every trip but if the flight attendant says something funny I put it in under flight attendants and I put it down because I know at the end of the year I might have a vignette with 10 flight attendant quips just get them down. Don't let them get away or you honestly mm -hmm. cannot come back and get it to it later. What you said here was very interesting because you're not looking for the story yet. You're only looking for that one funny line funny. to kick off. All what right. happens next? You have to know what the meeting planner is expecting mm -hmm. and what the audience uh, is expecting. Okay. And with me, they want funny. A lot of people work with something that's just burning and heavy duty and they've just got to get it out and therefore it's so important to them that they look for a story that they think is funny but it illustrates the point. Okay. But that's why they don't call themselves humorists. I look for a funny story, get the funniest story I can get and then I say now what could this illustrate? And then that becomes my point. I am, it's because I'm hired to be very funny. And in my theater shows, it's an hour and a half of, of straight, straight humor that they have not heard. It's a concert that it's you perform. It's a concert. That's what I'm doing a lot of now. And the funniest thing, somebody said to me, how many YouTube clips do you have up? And I said, 12. And they said, and you've gone viral twice, which is very, the most exciting thing that's happened in a career is just when that thing's clicking up 10,000 here, there, and young. Absolutely. And, um, and I said, yes, and they said, what, what's the secret of going viral? I said, well, the thing is, I, I've got 12 up and two. If I knew the secret, all of mine would have gone viral. <laughs> I got 10. They're over a million, but they haven't gone viral. Talk about how you set a scene up and how you use a scene rather than describing you show, not tell. Well, you've got to work in early what they have to know, the audience has to know for this to work. Mm -hmm. May I give you an example? From Please, my, that's okay. what we love. This, this is really rough. This is the program I'm doing in September. All of the stories here are stories that are, are not on tape. Mm -hmm. So I, I started with like two or three times this many, and then I put five stars, and if I put five stars next to it, it's going on that tape. And then some more that we're working on this. And then I drew an arrow to who, and this is how your vignettes fall in place. For example, I have purple right here. Four purple lines all go to left brain, my husband. So I've got four good untaped stories about left brain. 
If I had seven, I'd have to stop and say, that's too many. Mm. I don't want seven stories about one thing. Mm -hmm. And down here, all of these black lines are about pageants. So I'm going to cut that segment out because I'm sort of moving away. And the green stories here is for something else, travel stories. So I'm going to go, I have one winner, an absolute winner. And this is how I find it. I say, look, all of those greens, they ought to go together mm. for the speech. Well, Jeannie, what I'd like to do with you, though, is point this towards the business speaker who says, sure. I'm in the business world, my audiences are serious, they can't tell stories. That's not true, is it? No, I don't think it's wise for business people to use jokes. I don't tell jokes, couldn't tell a joke if I had to, mm -hmm. because they've been heard, they've been around, they think they're funny or with that particular area to whom they're speaking in, they're not. If they're real good, they've already heard it. Mm -hmm. And uh, the other thing that I've seen the corporate executive do, who's very, very smart, but when they give their speech, there's this opinion they need to open up with one or two or three, and the audience is sitting there and goes one, two, three. Far better to use material, we don't even have to say stories, or, or material that is clever, that they know how smart you are when you know this type of material. And if you look for it all year and get ready, it can, it can come back to you and be really, really much more effective than it's like, here is the joke. And everybody politely laughs. Remember, you can think it's a very serious speech, but people have the same amount of retention and the willingness to watch as they do there as they say the children can't watch cartoons even as long. That audience needs to be entertained in a certain way. Way. And it can be cleverly done so that the material that you have illustrates what you're talking about just a little bit. And what Jeannie Robertson is telling us is you find this material by keeping your eyes open, your ears wide open, and when you hear the line, you, you mark it down and you build your story from that. You read the newspapers. That's how you do it. Um, she's the best in the world at it. Well, and uh, you are. You. you absolutely are. Start arguing with me. You're a fantastic okay. writer. Okay. You're a fantastic storyteller, and you're a great teacher. And we thank you from DOE uh, for sharing this with us, Jeannie Robertson. Pleasure. Thank y'all. 20 million more views coming down the pike. <laughs>
Now it's an interesting story. Instead of me just saying, uh, I was singing and my teacher heard me. A lot better story. I so wish you were in the studio with us right now. I just cannot tell you how much I wish you were in the studio. But even though, even in the voice that comes across, the characters just jump off. Oh, yeah, of course. uh, You have to make those choices, though. Those are serious choices. Voice, accent, exaggeration. My stories are so outlandish because of the characters I create. My wife doesn't even believe half the things I say until (laughs) she meets the person. And and the person's laughing as I'm retelling it because they're like, that's exactly how he sounded. We're talking with Jason Hewitt. Give us a little bit of your background because uh, you've you've come quite a wonderful journey as far as using the gifts of making characters come to life. So give us a little background as to uh, what got you here. Well, I've been a member of NSA for almost a decade now, and I'm, I got my CSP this last summer. And which, congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> so I was uh, an impersonator for the Legends in Concert with the Las Vegas Legends in Concert. I was Ricky Martin for them and Elton John, and that was the beginning of my career. From there, I started getting asked to speak at schools. Next thing I know, I'm performing for corporate award ceremonies as a one-man show doing 50 to 100 voices and impressions. My hero was Danny Gans, a Las Vegas headliner, and so that's who I wanted to be like and keep my show clean, and that's what I do. If you've ever get a chance to see your demo, I, I think it's the epitome of the gamut in talent as far as the, the people that you cover, male and female. You even go <laughs> out of humanness, actually, in some cases. So uh, Sometimes there's a raptor in there. <laughs> <laughs> That's got to be one of your most popular. That's a signature move. Signature moves is so essential. I mean, you've got yours. You're the tornado. Tornado Igniting performance. Michael Jackson had the moonwalk. And what kind of signature moves are we creating with these characters? What makes them stand out in a sit-down world? What makes them different? What makes them unique? And that's something that you can actually study. Other great actors have done this so well. For example, you look at Dustin Hoffman and Tootsie. That was the greatest character creation we've ever seen on screen. Now that's completely different than what you're probably going to do on stage. You're not going to transform into a woman unless, hey. But if you can actually watch what somebody does and goes through to create a character. Tom Hanks, Forrest Gump. Daniel Day-Lewis, Abraham Lincoln. Robin Williams, Mrs. Doubtfire. Classics. You know, and I think it's so important because it's not necessarily that we have to get into all of the makeup, you know, like a Mrs. Doubtfire type of thing. We're talking about taking on a persona, even though there are some people that do that really well. You instantly become somebody. And with it, with the choices that you make, which we'll talk about as far as your facial expressions, your hands, your leg kicks, those types of things. But it's what it does is it just adds that element of the story that I call it engaging the imagination where you just pull me in and all of a sudden I'm there. I don't have to do the work. It's like your example about, I could tell you I was singing in the hall, but if you take me there, I don't have to work. And it's just so effortless to be there. So you mentioned some great people. Let's talk about signature characters because there are some people that will be remembered forever, which is what we're all trying to be, right? We're all trying to be remembered. You mentioned the tornado, my tornado. That's a hook that people call for over and over again. Give us some examples of signature characters. You were talking about a few, like Jim Carrey. He's got so many bits. Well, Jim Carrey is always pulling from every person he meets. I mean, he's going for, you know, the janitor he saw somewhere that becomes Fire Marshal Bill. Hey, let me tell you something. (laughs) 
I mean, he's just going for this crazy place. Ace Ventura, that part was offered to Robin Williams, to Chris Farley, other great actors, and Jim Carrey went with it because he thought, well, this is a kind of a jerky, weird, crazy guy that also walks like a cockatiel. So he started to bob his head, and he's like, hey, alrighty then, loser. Right? So he went for it. But once you go down that path, you got to stick to it. The, the greatest of them all, the greatest of them all, really, if you ask any actor, is Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep has been nominated for more Academy Awards than anyone ever because she comes to the table with a stack of papers, the backstory that she's created of that character, the accent, the moves, the, the words that they use, the, the things they've been through in their life that you'll never see in the movie. She transforms into that character. And I think in our association, who does that the best, the character creation, would be Kelly Swanson. Yeah. So there's all kinds of characters. For example, I can't do, I can't do Mickey Mouse with, I can't do that voice unless I'm smiling. I can't do the face of Neil Young and do the voice of Mickey Mouse. Oh, oh boy. Ha, ha. Hi, everybody. Mickey Mouse here. Ha. All right. Right? I can't do it with the, with the frill. That's a Neil Young voice right there because I'm frowning and I look so sad. Right? <laughs> but that's also, um, you just have to morph it a little bit. Now who am I? I'm a, you're mean one, Mr. Grinch. <laughs> right? It's not that crazy. It's kind of a weird combo of the two, actually. <laughs> but it all works, you know? <laughs> so, and, and really... If you can commit to those different things, that's the most important piece, I think, is committing to the character. Will Ferrell said it best, and it's funny to say that Will Ferrell said anything best, but he did. He said... Well, the man's a genius. Well, you gotta, he is a comic he's genius. He's a comic genius. I think he's a risk taker is what I like about him. Big time. He yeah. says the difference between me and the other funny guys is I'm willing to look stupid. And you could tell that that's true when the whole cast of Saturday Night Live couldn't even keep it together when he would do a bit. Yeah. Right? right? And so he committed once you go down that road you have to commit my first big show that I got to do as a one-man performer was for my cousin's beauty pageant back in 2000 and she said we need five minutes so I stood up there and I tried to be Snow White I tried to do my voice of Snow White now as a man trying to be Snow White, a 1950s character from a cartoon, I had to really go to a different place. I had to convince the audience in that moment that I'm a woman. And so I'm up there doing this ridiculous thing. And like you say, you have to open the audience's imagination. You have to deliver that. And so I'm up there going, I'm wishing, I'm wishing for the one I love to find me. And I'm watching the audience and I'm like, they're not coming with me. I could easily have bailed on it and said, oh, I'm just kidding. But I kept going. I kept pushing. I changed my face in milliseconds. I'm making decisions. Don't do it this way. Change your face. Scrunch it up a little more. Use your hands. Kick up your leg. Do a twirl. Whatever it takes to get there. For the one I love to find me, to find me today, today. I'm hoping, I'm hoping, and I'm dreaming of. Right? Do you see what I'm doing? I'm going there without giving up, and the audience eventually goes... <laughs> 
What the heck was that? I'm gonna clap just because that guy owned it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I gotta stop you for a second because I've got to bring the audience up to speed here. What just happened, and I can imagine when we're listening to this, that we see or that we hear actually, you sound, first of all, you're really committed to the tone and the the pitch and the delivery of the voice, which is a, a big a big piece of going, of being committed to it. Oh, yeah. um, but, but what you didn't see is you know, when you were giving your demo, your your face immediately, you know, cocked to the side. You had this wonderful smile. You're, it's almost like your hair changed, dude. I'm just, I'm telling you right now. <laughs> but, well, thank you, Prince Charming. That's right. <laughs> it was magical. It was for me. But, you know, but your, but your body got into it and it was the choices. You literally just did a, a kickflip, you know? <laughs> I know. Which is the commitment that we're talking about. It's those choices that you make that I really want our listeners to think about when you're doing a character it's not just being a ventriloquist where you're throwing your voice out there you're making these strong choices of character that help your audience get that imagination are you i just it's awesome get the video yeah <laughs> I'm telling you go rent this video it's fantastic before we move on from this one let me ask you this about committing and going for it are there certain things that you do that that you know you talked about warping you know warping your face uh, hand gestures leg kicks are there things that you do that have bigger impact that you go you know i have to make sure i have full any any tips on you know if i want to bust out of my shell and do something i've never done before give me some things that i you know think about what i'd say think about giving the audience the most authentic place you've ever gone to uh, when they say speak naked, <laughs> to not be afraid, that sort of, a, or imagine the audience is naked so you're not afraid. Yeah. I sit there and I think, well, what if I were naked? What would I have to do to really win them over, you know? And so I'm going for it in every way. I'm, I'm showing my whole body. My hands are all the way out. I love that move that Michael Jackson used to do where he just put his hands straight out to the side. And he, what he was doing was accepting the love accept the love from the audience and so throw your head back smile let them know that you love it and i i would encourage the audience of listeners of speakers to say to themselves am i closed off it's not just am i speaking with my arms folded it's am i trying to put off so much that i'm so cool so handsome go ugly man it's okay to be ugly. I have made millions of dollars because I embraced that one word that everybody called me as a kid. When I got on the first school bus, I went on, I said, you know, I walked to the back of the bus, I walked up to these guys, I said, hey guys, I wanna sit back here with you guys, cause you guys are cool. And this guy looked at me and he goes, dude, you're ugly. <laughs> And I've used that my whole life because I all of a sudden started to make him laugh because he called me ugly. It's good to be ugly. It's good to show your warts. Show what makes you a little bit weird, a little bit silly, a bit different. And the next thing you know, people want to see it. People want to see what makes you different, unique, cool. It's your signature move. Yeah. Would you call that authentic? I call it authentic for me. Yeah. I have to go there because if I don't, I'm hiding it from the audience. I can move my face in ways that no one else in the world can as far as I know. And yet, what if I didn't show that because I was concerned they would say, ooh, you're ugly. And so I go there. And Lucille Ball went there. She was known as a beautiful singer before she was I Love Lucy. But then we see her stuffing her face with chocolates on the assembly line, putting them in her shirt. Yes. 
Genius. She went for it. Carol Burnett. I mean, think of these women that were like, hey, let's go for it. Creating a character, power association. Creating a character, you you have to start to consider what is the essence of this character. When I was trying to figure out the voice of Axl Rose with Guns N' Roses, I could not figure it out. It hurt my throat to try it. I was kind of doing more of a Joe Cocker, like a, Oh, she got a smile when it seemed... That's not the voice. And then one day I was watching The Simpsons. And I realized when Marge Simpson started to speak, Oh, homie, come here, homie. What? Oh, my goodness. Then I was like, oh, that's Axl Rose. <laughs> she got a smile and it seemed to me remind me of childhood memories. Right? That's oh his voice. It's the same voice. It's the same voice. <laughs> yeah. Now, I got to tell you. <laughs> oh, homie. How you made that leap is what's impressive to me. Because I don't know if I'd watch Marge, Sim- Marge Simpson and go, my gosh, that's Axl Rose. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so it's got to, how did you do that? It's the power you know? of association. I yeah. think we all do that every single day in our business. We try to figure out when we listen to another speaker say something genius and we go, well, that applies nothing to my business. I'm not a coach. I'm a keynote. Right. Oh, but that could work this way for me. That's all it is. Just the power of association. I'm watching a cartoon. I see somebody speak, and I go, oh, that would work for this voice. It it, yeah, it works. For example, Elton John. I had to figure this voice out, or I was going to lose my job in Las Vegas way back when. And I went into the studio, I tried to record it with this this director of this show, and he goes, your voice just isn't getting there, man. And I'd go, yeah, it is, listen. Can you feel the love tonight? And he's like, there's just something missing. And I had done so much research, I researched again, I went back, back to the 1970s interviews, and I found somebody wrote, Elton John's country twang makes his sound and I went country twang he's from England he doesn't have a country wait a minute and I went back and I listened and it was can you feel the love tonight right right that's his voice it's because of that country twang that a reviewer wrote about it that made me associate oh this is how I can make that work and we can do that with any character as long as we're willing to commit to it Embrace that signature move and go for it. Uh, so here's here's what I got. So I want to look at some of the pieces of my my keynote or my presentation, my my training. Anytime I'm trying to hold somebody's imagination, and and find places where. I can not just talk about somebody, but make them come to life. Stories need characters. You've got to make these come to life. Don't make your audience work so much. Find the signature of those characters and really, really play off of those signatures. That's where it comes to life. Go to that place. Don't be afraid to get ugly. I love that. What hand gestures? How am I warping? What leg clicks? Just something that makes this character come alive. The power of association is where I find those. What does it sound like? Uh, Look for the examples around me and, and connect to those people to give me examples of what to do and, and play off of that. Your Elton John and Jim Carrey, all of your characters are so fantastic. I can definitely see how you own it, man. Um, you're a superstar, and I really appreciate you being here and sharing time with us. I love you. Thank you, man. <laughs> love you, babe. <laughs> What's I love you, man. Love no, let me babe. tell you something, okay? Love you, babe. I love you. Can I tell you something? I just can love I you, tell man. you? You are. Mm. 
Well, let's take a moment to put a different spin on storytelling by speaking with CSP Ross Bernstein, who's going to tell us how he captures his customers' stories and uses them to propel his marketing. I'm talking with Ross Bernstein and the champion's code. I mean, your message is on fire, your your business is on fire, and I want to talk yes. about those secrets of success. How, first of all, how did you get in? You're real, you're real focused on sports. That's your niche. Yeah, it is. Uh, I, I'm not winning any Pulitzers. Most of my books wind up in bathrooms, but uh, I'm a working member of the media in Minnesota where I live with the Vikings and the Twins and the Wild and the Wolves. So I have a unique seat at the table where I'm in the locker room in the press box and I get to have access to interview all of these athletes. So it's been uh, it's been great to, and I talk about the DNA of champions and how the characteristics relate from sports to business. That's what I do. I love your story about how you got started, <laughs> you know, when you were in, what was it, college? Yeah, I was a walk-on to the University of Minnesota yeah. hockey team and uh, I got cut and became the team mascot, Goldie the Gopher, a giant smelly rodent. And I wrote a, bu- wrote a book about it as a senior in college called Gopher Hockey by the Hockey Gopher and somehow made a career out of it. And this. a career was born. Right, as a smelly rodent. So <laughs> my differentiator. If you had to boil it down to those few things that really have helped you uh, have the success that you've had, what can I duplicate? Well, the first thing I think is has been just referring my friends and colleagues and getting that warm referral going so I have a network of people that I share my business with. The other thing that's been a real game changer that really probably tripled my business was getting video testimonials. And that, that was a real game changer for me. So tell us how, because you're really good at it, and I have never heard, seen anybody on film talk about you like your video testimony. So just tell us a little bit about how you set that up. What's that process? Well, I'm lucky. I probably speak 100 dates a year, and, and 90% of them are direct, meaning I'm not typically working with a bureau. So as a result, I create good relationships with the the CEO or the the senior vice president of sales or whatever that person or just the meeting planner. So if I do a great job on stage and you know, get a standing ovation or whatever it is, that affirmation at the end, I want to really capture the moment right there. So I've learned really how to use this as the tool and what I'll do is I'll kind of pull them aside while there's still a good buzz in the room or whatever and I'll say, hey, and I talk about this during my speech, how I do this. I say, I got to keep true to my word. Could I please honor you with a brief video testimonial? And I tell them I'm not going to tweet it or Facebook it or LinkedIn it or Twitter, Instagram it because I don't do any of that. I'm not a social media guy whatsoever. And, and usually what they'll say is they'll go, oh, okay. All right, where do we do this? And I bring them over and I say, and I'll, I'll just kind of set them up and I'll say, first I'll videotape their, their name tag to make sure I get it right and, and, and their title or whatever. And I'll say, okay, I'm just going to ask you in the third person, you know, what did you think of Ross's program this morning? And maybe if you kind of say where, you know, where we're at and why you brought him in and what your big takeaway was. And, and they'll say, wow, we brought Ross to Dallas for our annual franchise conference and he, you know, he got a standing ovation from our 2,000 franchisees and it was awesome and he took the time to come in and work with us or whatever it is. You hope that you can get him. And, and what I try and do is I try and hide behind the camera like this. And I'm always making sure the camera is horizontal this way because I post it on Vimeo. And really, and then when I get it, and it's 30 seconds to a minute, whatever it is, they're, they're brief, but they're impactful and they're in the moment. So you see the, emo- the real raw emotion of them saying, this guy was awesome. Now, obviously, if they didn't say that, that's probably not going to make my video real. <laughs> this guy was this guy mediocre. This guy sucked, and we're never hiring him again. Uh, sorry, he didn't make the cut. No, but um, and then what I do is I have it on uh, right on my homepage. It's a it's a very simple page. I I, I want to drive all the traffic to two things: my 
testimonial reel, which is 12 minutes. People say, that's too long. I don't care. That's, that's what mine is. And I have a sizzle reel too, which is about two minutes, which they want the brief one. And then I have a, a video testimonial reel that's 30 minutes. People say, they're not going to watch that. Actually, they do. And I'm also a member of MPI, Meeting Professionals International, where I talk to lots of planners. And I've heard them specifically say, we picked you because we saw planner after planner, VP after VP, CEO after CEO, talking about the ROI and the value proposition. You know, People don't care what you say about you, they care what your best customers say about you. So I want you to hear what my best customers say about me. It's not me saying how great I am, it's them. So I, I try and be humble and modest and just say, this is what it is. And it's just been a huge differentiator in growing my business. So it's a real simple, easy thing to do, but there's an art form to getting it the right way. Never send them back to their office and go, yeah, can you uh, email me that video? Because you'll get like Thurston Howell III going, we had Michael in to our rubber dog poop conference and he was quite remarkable. I would recommend him. So it doesn't work. You have to get the raw emotion and um, it's just, and it's a process. You know, I'll, I'll team up, I'll send them lots of books beforehand and, and grease the skids to create that relationship. And then they feel like, great, we want to share this guy. And that's, you know, I don't know if it's a secret sauce, but it's just something that's been working in my business. Social proof, I think, is, is very, very important. And I love the way that you set it up with, can I have the honor of getting your permission to use right. that? Because, I mean, the reality is we all have written testimonials and the reality is no one believes them. Many speakers write their own testimonial and say, would you sign this? And they just do because they just don't want to deal with it at that point. I've done that. So you, by getting a video testimonial that's raw and real, is, it's just awesome. The caveat is, is if you're a social media freak, you have to be careful because you're now tagging this person and putting them out there into cyber world, which they may not want to be. So that's my value proposition is I'm saying the only people that are going to watch this video are other meeting planners or CEOs or VP of sales who are going to want to come to my site to learn more about me to see if I'm the right fit to keynote their conference. So that, that's what I tell them that I don't do is, is blast it out there. But I advise companies that when they have a, hit a home run with a, with a client to, to do that and to use social media that way. And I don't like putting it on YouTube. I mean, we all have a YouTube channel, but YouTube really, it says, oh, if you like Ross, you'll like his 20 biggest competitors and here's a video of cats farting that you're going to love and that'll take an hour of your life. I want to keep them right on my site and just right there and a Vimeo pops up in HD and it's just a really effective, better way to do it, I yeah. think. What are you doing to get your testimonials, you know, written, but especially video, how are you setting it up and how are you using them? Great stuff, Mr. Bernstein, I appreciate you. Great to see you, my no friend. No wonder you, you rock it out of the park. <laughs>
if we can show you there are secrets. Nice. How deep into media skills is the lab going to go? When NSA members get to New York City, the media capital of the world, on April 9th, 10th, and 11th, they need to buckle their seat belts and get ready to go for a serious ride and some serious content packed into three days. We're going to open it up on day one with some speakers and some experts and some media stars who have reached amazing heights because we want to create that dream for every member that they can be that big. And then we're going to dash your hopes that day by asking, so why should you be featured by the media? And then the next day on the 10th, we're going to show you how, how to pitch, how to get past those gatekeepers, how to be compelling in just a few seconds, how to find out what reporters need and give it to them, then how to nail the perfect interview, because it takes some special skills to be the perfect interview, to be able to talk in quotes, to talk in sound bites, to add context, and to be the sought-after expert. And then after you do all of that, you have to turn it into money. It's so critical that you realize it's not just for fame and bragging. It has to be to make more money, get more bookings, sell more products. There's a lot of buzz about the faculty you've assembled. You've got some serious talent opening up their secret playbook from what I hear. The first day, we're going to kick things off right away with Jeffrey Hazlett. He is the host of The C-Suite, a TV show on Bloomberg News. Hopefully you've seen that. He positioned himself as a business expert and speaker to get the job as the host. Then now he has developed extra brands associated with that brand and multiple streams of income in ways I never thought anyone could do. It's an amazing story how he's building his own media empire. You're also going to see Steve Spangler and, of course, his assistant Carly, because the two of them are joined at the hip. Together, they get amazing bookings for Steve on network shows, and they position him as the go-to guy when you need that special science stunt on the air. And he's going to tell us stuff that he has never told any NSA audience ever before. The next day, you're going to come back, and we're going to we're going to leave you restless after Steve because we're going to ask you why them, why not you. What makes you think you're worthy? When you come back on the morning of the 10th, we're going to take you through the process of really understanding what a pitch needs to be in order to get through the multiple layers of gatekeepers associated with TV, print, radio, and the web. Then you're going to meet some actual producers. They're going to lay it on the line and tell it to you straight. No sugarcoating. If you want to know how to help a reporter out, the guy who invented the Help the Reporter Out website, Peter Shankman's going to be there. If you want to know how to nail a great radio interview and be a great radio host, Emmy Award winner Kate Delaney, host of NBC Radio. More than 12,000 interviews in 25 years. We're also going to get into media training, teaching you the skills of how to talk concisely, add context, and, and give those great sound bites and those great quotes that, that make you memorable to those audiences and make reporters come back for you. Then we're going to show you how to monetize all of those media performances, all of those media placements in, in radio, print, web, and TV. On the final day, after you've learned everything you need to know about dealing with conventional media, we're going to blow your socks off. Jay Bear is going to come in and say, hey, what if you don't want to do any of that, but you would prefer to go behind door number three, so to speak, and build your own online media empire? 
this is going to be good. Once again, it sounds like this is going to be an amazing lab. You've got to invest in yourself this year. All right, Jared, bring us home, man. Give us your final pitch. NSA has never done a program like this before. I think it's going to sell out. So if you're listening to VOE, you need to go right now to nsaspeaker.org and register for the NSA Media Lab in New York City, April 9th, 10th, and 11th. I'm looking forward to seeing you there. We are speaking with Marquesa Petway, CSP, and brand new CSP too, aren't you? Yes. Yes, we are so proud of you. It's so shiny. <laughs> she is a business reinvention expert. By the way, I love that title. She teaches entrepreneurs how to attract business and grow clients by using speaking as a marketing strategy. We've known each other for a couple of years, uh, off and on in the hallways, uh, especially through some of the programs that we share. And I wanted to make sure that we got a chance to tap into your expertise because I love the way you use Facebook. Yes, I use Facebook in such a way that it leads to great relationship, joint ventures, mm. bookings, clients. It's my baby, Michael. What can I say? Facebook is a smart, smart choice. Well, we love talking to social media queens. And so I wanted to tap into your expertise on how you, you know, what type of strategy do you use to do the things that you need to help them make that conversion from someone connecting on a social media like that to possibly a business partnership? Yes, yes, yes. And you know what? I would call myself more of a strategic queen than a, than a social media queen because I, I don't care what platform I approach. I always ask myself, what is the outcome I'm looking for? I refuse to just jump in and use my time without a game plan. So when I get on Facebook, I ask myself, all right, what is the expected outcome? And this is the answer that I give myself. I want to build relationships with like-minded individuals. I also want to be a resource to my who, that would be my target market, by sharing my it, which is my expertise. I want to create visibility so folks know who I am and how I can help them. I want to position my Myself as a resource and an expert for entrepreneurs that want to use speaking as a marketing strategy. And of course, I want conversion. I'm one of those folks, yeah, I'm impressed that you got all these followers, but I'm more impressed with how many of those followers are now on your list. How many can you get off that social media platform onto your list? So that's really my strategy when it comes to Facebook. And to get even deeper, I use groups, love groups on Facebook. I'm a member of probably 30 plus groups, but I use about 10 of them um, on a weekly basis that I'm in and out of, in and out of. And remember, my before I join or really participate, it needs to be where I, there are joint venture partners, folks that I can talk business with, where I can be a resource to folks, I can get some level of visibility without promoting, because that's a really bad thing to do in groups. I can position myself as an expert, and then if I do all those well, Michael, it leads to conversion. 
All right, so this is what you're talking about when you say know who your who. Your who is the people that you choose or the groups that you choose to follow. So find groups that match who you are or the people that you like to serve. And you, actually 30 of them, that's a lot, but you participate in roughly 10 of them a week, building relationships and establishing yourself as an expert. How do you do that? Well, I answer questions so oftentimes People will come onto a group, hey, I'm looking for this resource, or I'm looking for someone that can talk about this, or I'm having a challenge with this. So I'll pipe in and give a resource. And here's the thing, Michael, I don't pipe in and say, oh, here's a resource, go to my website, or- And it costs you X amount. amount. Exactly, Mm -hmm. it's not about me promoting that that is such a turnoff but literally i will just answer the question i will also ask questions sometimes i'll recommend somebody else if i think that they're a better fit Hmm. ultimately the goal is to join in the conversation and truly become a part of the group which is why i think you need to identify certain groups that you're going to become connected to on a regular basis. And then what happens is folks get to know you. It feels so good when I'm doing something else and then someone will tag me in a group and say, oh, Marquesa knows about this or Marquesa is great with this. And and then I'll come in and I'll make a comment. And I get a lot of interview requests. I get a lot of summit online and offline requests to be a guest speaker. I get meeting planners who will say, hey, I'm gonna have this event. I want you to speak at it. I'll get folks that'll say, can I talk with you uh, because I think you can help solve my problem. So it's really about relationship building. But while you're doing that, you're also positioning yourself, which is which I find to be amazing. Are there certain uh, don'ts? You had mentioned one of the don'ts, like you don't want to sell in your group. Are there other don'ts when it comes across? I, I want to come across as an expert. I want people to know what I do. How do I do that without sounding like I'm selling, but I'm just trying to be a, a, a resource? Well, unless the situation calls for it, I wouldn't put a link in there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) For some reason, when you put a link, people assume, okay, they want us to go to this blog or go and read that. But in some situations, uh, sometimes the administrator of the group will say, hey, guys, I'm looking for people that can talk about this. Can you post your link? You know, so really pay attention to what they're looking for. But posting links can be a no-no, sharing your prices or or really just putting some type of verbiage that says, hey, buy me <laughs> or buy my services is somewhat of a turnoff. Not contributing, not being a contributor, being more of a me, 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 it's all about me, 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 this is what I've done. Being very me focused can also be a turnoff. And here's one other big don't, Michael, that I have to share is when someone decides, oh, I'm gonna have a Facebook page, business page, or group, but I'm not gonna have a personal page. And that is a huge, huge mistake. Why? Because basically you're telling me that when you go to networking events, you walk up to folks and you just start to talk about your business without saying, hi, Michael, how are you? There's no rapport building, there's no names exchange. It is, I'm walking up and this is what I do and do you wanna buy from me? So don't necessarily shy away from the social and social media. 
there you go. Yeah. Okay. It's that sounds really like about relationship building, and it's it's addictive. That's the only thing you gotta. <laughs> it is, Michael. Woo! It is addictive. Well, now let's talk about the business end of it. So you've done a great job. You're part of the community. They see you as a resource as far as uh, the questions that you answer, just being involved in the conversations. I can really see that. How do you make that jump from that relationship to a connection to what you do professionally? Well, depending on the person, let's start with a meeting planner. So maybe I'll send them to my eSpeakers profile or I'll send them to my main website. But in most cases, they tend to ask me, and it's funny, they'll do it in a group, Michael. They'll say, hey, Marquess, I want to interview you right in the groups where everyone else sees it. And then that gives you a chance also to put the link. So if it's a meeting planner or someone that can book you, again, I'll take that offline and start a dialogue with them one-on-one. Now, if it's a potential client or even, or maybe there's an opportunity for me to help a lot of people at one time, what I'll do is I'll send people to goddessspeaknow.com, which is a simple one-page landing page, and it's also called an opt-in page, where they can go and they can download a free resource for me, from me, which I call a pink spoon. A pink, a pink spoon. A pink spoon. It's my pink spoon. We should all have one. <laughs> Tell, just Okay, we got to do a little sidebar here. Tell me what is a pink spoon? Well, think about Baskin-Robbins. You like Baskin-Robbins. Oh, right? yeah. Okay, the pink spoon. Oh, you hit my heart now, Jack. Now I'm in. I'm in. thinking about the ice cream. I love it. Well, sometimes you'll walk into Baskin-Robbins. I need a taste. Golly gee whiz, I don't know which ice cream I want. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they'll hand you a pink spoon so you can sample the different ice creams and then choose which one you want. I need so a sample of Marquesa. That's right. There you go. <laughs> and that pink spoon, although it's a sample, should be really good, should be valuable. I mean, oftentimes uh, folks will put a value on their pink spoon, 27, 47, 97. So you don't want to give folks junk. You want to give them something you, you think about. So I've had pink spoons where someone interviewed me and then I provided the transcription of the interview along with a template or a workbook for them to sort of work through. That's an example of a pink spoon. The list goes on. There's a million different types of pink spoons. But anyway, I will send them to a website where there's a few things that are accomplished. One thing is they can download my free resource that of course will solve their problem. Um, in order to get that free resource, they're gonna provide me with their name and their email. It allows me to stay in touch with them, which usually through my e-zine, where I'm able to educate them, continue to solve their problems. Because I don't know if you know this, Michael, but sometimes people, especially your who, your tribe, they will need to hear from you almost eight to 10 times before they make a purchasing decision. Eight to 10 times. Eight to 10 times. Okay. And a lot of folks lose business because they feel like, okay, I'll just give them a free ebook or I'll just do that and maybe they'll come back. So if it's a potential client, I will send them my free page where they can go and download that ebook. And what's so cool about this website, it's a lead page, which I highly recommend, leadpages.net, but it's a page where you can't get lost. <laughs> so simple video, three, three reasons why you wanna download this resource. And if it's speaking to you, you're gonna do it. And then there's a little opt-in box and an image of whatever the pink spoon is, in my case, the ebook. And, and, and if I didn't say it already, I'll say it again in a video of me just welcoming you to the site. But it's something very easy and simple. 
So again, if it's a meeting planner, I'm not going to send them there. I'm going to send them somewhere else. But if it's a potential client, which I find a lot of my potential clients on Facebook, then I will send them to that single page site. And one final thing too, Michael, whether it's Facebook, LinkedIn, whatever platform, Google Plus, whatever platform you use, just, just choose one strategy. Don't try to choose 15. And this is where I think a lot of speakers get lost. So choose just one strategy and knock it out of the park and you will see results. So what's your strategy? You know, there's so many opportunities and so many options online that you really need to take Marquesa's advice and think it through. What's your strategy? How are you building relationships? And then how are you going out of your way on purpose to convert those wonderful relationships into wonderful business? We're talking with Ford Sakes, CSP, from Prime Concepts Group. Now, Ford, you've been around for a long time. I mean, you're one of our legends. Your particular group really specializes in integrated marketing services, uh, websites, branding, think it, do it, profit. And so we want to tap into your expertise one more time and help us focus in on uh, some of the tips and techniques on social media, specifically on taking advantage and optimizing LinkedIn. Absolutely. Well, you know, as professional speakers, You know, I always tell people fish where the fish are, and every single person (laughs) watching this or listening to this needs to understand that LinkedIn is one of the top two social media platforms you should be on. The other one is YouTube. Now, obviously, we could go into this all day, but for our short little VOE here today, let's talk about LinkedIn and how you should use LinkedIn and the steps you should use that every speaker, author, trainer, and expert should do. How's that sound, Michael? That sounds right on target, my friend. I've got my pen. Go. (laughs) Okay. Well, the first thing you need to do is you really need to go back and look at your profile, and you need to update and enhance your profile. So you can add pictures, you can add videos, you can add PDFs, you can add testimonials, you can add all of those things to your profile. So for example, recently I spoke at the Lawn Doctor franchise. Well, I take pictures when I get into the room, I take pictures of my speaker badge, I take pictures of the placards that have my name on them, and I take testimonials. Then when I'm done speaking for Lawn Doctor or whoever the company is, I add the prominent companies to my LinkedIn profile. So if anybody wants to see how to do that, go look look me up on LinkedIn, Ford, S-A-E-K-S. Go look at my LinkedIn profile and you'll get a good example of what it means to enhance your profile. Now, the reason you do that, Michael, is you want to have the keywords in there. So that's step number one. You got that one? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. As a matter of fact, we've talked about enhancing before, but I never thought of taking pictures of the event and adding photos. You know, usually it's just verbiage, but I like adding the photos. So yeah, I'm listening. Add the photos. You should have a photo with every post. Add the photos. And if you have testimonials, you can take on your phone, put put them up there too. It helps the content, helps expand your profile. Because let's say you and I are both doing the same type of topic. If someone searches on LinkedIn and my profile is more filled out than you, LinkedIn's going to serve my profile above yours. Gotcha. All right. right. Number two, you want to update your company profile. You know, they're changing things all the time. Uh, LinkedIn has an opportunity for you to have a company page, just like Facebook has a profile and, and, and pages. LinkedIn has a profile and pages. So you want to go update your company profile. Make sure you have a list of your services up there. Make sure you have the keywords and descriptions for what you do. So if you offer keynotes, workshops, put the services that you offer up there, executive coaching, leadership, facilitation, MC, whatever it is that you do, make sure your services are properly listed on your thing. Now, let's get into the meat. Everybody knows they're supposed to do their profile. They know they're supposed to do that. 
All right, so we want to fish where the fish are. And in business, if we're trying to get hired as speakers, authors, and experts, we're going to use LinkedIn to connect. So one of the things I do when I get a prospect from a, a speaking lead, we'll just use a speaking lead and booking. As soon as I get a prospect lead, first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to try to connect with them on LinkedIn. Now, if it's something I'm soliciting, I do not try to connect. So if I just want to speak, let's say, at a company, I don't just go in there and try to connect with people that I don't know. The only people I try to connect with are prospects that have actually reached out to me and said, hey, I'm considering you for this event. Then I email them, but they also go into LinkedIn. So I'm, I'm, I'm constantly building my LinkedIn profile with prospects. The next thing is learn three things in three minutes before you contact a person. So let's say I get a voicemail, you know, Becky from Gold's Gym wants me to contact her. First thing I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go find Becky from Gold's Gym. Then I'm going to go look at her profile and I'm gonna learn three things about Becky before I pick up the phone. I'm gonna see how long she's been at the company. I'm gonna see what other positions she's held. I'm gonna see where she lives. I maybe Google her name, but I'm gonna take three minutes and learn three things so that when I get on the phone with Becky, I have something that I can talk to to build rapport. Make nice. sense? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You've got that wealth of information in front of you. Take advantage of it before you pick up the phone. Got it. Absolutely. And most people don't take three minutes. It'll take three minutes, Google them, learn three things. That's good. Um, the next thing is really a, an advanced technique that I will mention. This comes from my buddy, Sam Richter. It's something I've done, but I've never called it what he calls it. I think he calls it an intentional referral. And, and what this basically means is, let's say, Michael, that you're the meeting planner, and now I want to reach somebody that's in your group. So in other words, somebody that you're associated with, I want to reach. Well, instead of calling you as a meeting planner and saying, hi, Michael, would you give me a referral, which we don't do. I mean, no one's going to do that. I would call you and say, Michael, I noticed you know Scott Firth from this company. If I sent you a note, would you forward it on to him? So I'm doing an intentional referral. I'm telling you specifically who I want you to send the note to. And I'm making it very easy by saying, if I email you this, will you forward this on? So I'm using LinkedIn to find out who you're connected to. But then I'm contacting you and saying, if I email you this note, would you forward it on to Scott Firth? Because you know him. So whether you're connecting through LinkedIn or connecting to your email, I'm using LinkedIn for the intelligence of who you're connected to. Then I'm contacting you to do the intentional referral. So it's it's an intentional referral as opposed to a generic referral. Talk about a warm lead, a warm setup. It's a warm setup and you really wanna do it with first connections only. So first for example, so I connect with you, you're a meeting planner, I connect with you. Well, if you're a meeting planner, for example, in franchising, you probably know a bunch of other people in franchising. So if I go to your profile and I look at who you're connected with, I could probably find two or three people that would make sense. I pick the two or three that I want you to contact. And I say, if I send you this note, would you forward it on to these three people? And then as long as it's congruent, I've done a great job for you, you're gonna be more apt to do it. The key is I'm making it very easy for the referral source to do the introduction as opposed to imposing on you and making you feel uncomfortable that you're supposed to give me a referral. Nice and easy. Ford, once again, my friend. Okay, so here's the takeaways that I've got. First of all, I love the idea of taking pictures at the event, especially with the meeting planners, maybe people from the company themselves. Pictures of the venue would be nice, but add pictures to your profile, uh, videos to your profile, not just the list of the event itself. So really build up that profile in what you've done and who you've talked to. I love that. And, and testimonials. Add those pictures with your keywords or look for keywords in updating not only your profile, but your company profile so that people find you 
easier. Fish where the fish are. I love that idea. And I love the, the, the connection that you gave us is find someone that you can use to reach out to a person that you're trying to connect to in their first level relationships. And before I contact that person, take three minutes to learn three things before I pick up that phone and have something to talk about. And then here's another one that intentional referrals. I love that idea. I'm going to find my first level connections and reach out to them saying, listen, would you mind passing this note on for that warm connection? Okay, there's one last thing. Yeah. So now that you know you have to update your profile, everybody knows that. You know you need to put keywords. You know you need to enhance it. Just for those people listening that might be confused, what you're doing when you speak at a company is you're adding them as job history. And you're putting the month to month. So, for example, in January, I spoke at the ASI show. So in January in my history, I put January to January ASI show. It puts the logo from the company on my profile. And then I put my program descriptions in my LinkedIn profile. So it's not because people are going to be confused. What do I do? You're adding job history. I worked for that company for that month and I put them in my history. It's totally fine to do that. The last thing I was going to tell you as far as the tips are concerned, you can now post blog posts on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. So it's LinkedIn publishing. It's called long form posts. But I want to caution you, don't just copy and paste things from your blog to LinkedIn. Put unique content up there because if you just copy and paste from your blog, LinkedIn has more authority than your website. So what's going to happen is you think you're doing yourself a service, but you're actually doing yourself a disservice because LinkedIn gets the authority and then it looks at your site as duplicate content and actually reduces your rankings. So if you're going to post to LinkedIn, and I'm not talking a short post, I'm talking a long form post, please use unique content and use images. And you know, let's use common sense, everybody. Let's use these wisely. They're just communication tools. It's a database of contacts. It's just a database. So what can you do with a database? You can update it, you can search it, and you can interact with it. So stop getting so confused about all the bells and whistles that you can do on social media and understand that LinkedIn's business to business. Well, if you're trying to get hired at corporations, you can get direct access to the CEOs or the C-level people if you do it correctly, and you can do it strictly through LinkedIn. So that's why today's VOE was so important just on that one topic. Ford, I appreciate your time. As always, a wealth of knowledge, and I appreciate you giving that so freely to all of us. All right. You can visit me at primeconcepts.com if you have any other questions. All right, man. Thanks a lot. All right. Bye-bye. Creating stories and getting them out on the internet is probably job one in this day and age of multimedia. However, the question remains is, does it cost an arm and a leg to get this going? Our president, Shep Hyken, gives us some insights in how he set up his very prolific green screen studio in his office. We are sitting here once again with Shep Hyken, president, CSP, CPAE, and big time video user on YouTube. You are one of the most prolific people I know on heavy content on the internet, especially from your YouTube page. Tell us a little bit about how you use video, why you use video the way you do. Several years ago, I heard Ford Sake say that if you want to own your market, you want to become a thought leader, an expert in your industry, use video, specifically YouTube. So I decided to exploit that opportunity and started creating videos at least once a week, now twice a week. And I have over 350 videos on my YouTube page or YouTube channel and people search it 
on YouTube. It's the second most searched search engine behind Google. Google, by the way, owns YouTube. So it's a great opportunity to just create content and move myself higher up in the presence of what I do. So if you really want to show up on the lists, you've got to have content out there that sets you up as an expert. Tell us a little bit about the thought process behind creating the videos that you do. Sure. Well, first of all, it starts with my blog that I write once a week, about 400 words or so. And I take that blog that I would post on my blog site and send to my subscribers and I turn it into a script. Very easily as I write it, I think about I'm going to be using this for my YouTube video. So I try to write it as a script. I dump it onto my iPad Teleprompt Plus program. That's what it's called, Teleprompt Plus. And that becomes my teleprompter that allows me to just read it and use that as the script for my YouTube video. So you take your blog and then you create your vlog, yes. say, or the video blog. Mm -hmm. So now you've repurposed purpose that and you said you do two a week yes I do a really short tip that comes from either a tip from my book or just a small little excerpt out of the blog just as its own standalone tip and the reason I do that is Chad Barr at the Philadelphia convention a couple of years ago suggested doing iTunes podcasts free podcasts so I said rather than just create an audio why not shoot a video and put that on my YouTube channel but then take the audio track from that and upload it into the iTunes and and give that away as a podcast. So you write a blog once a week yes. and a smaller little tip blog, if you will, that you create and you repurpose both of them. You take your blog, you make it a vlog, you take your small tip and you make it a podcast. Yes. So now tell us a little bit about the equipment that you use because I've seen your studio. It's very small. It's a, it's a converted smaller office or you said a big closet, but it is a very effective green screen. Tell us your setup and the equipment that you've used. Sure. It's basically a large storage closet that's about seven feet wide by about 12 feet long. And I just took the, the wall in the back and I painted it green. I went on Google got the green screen paint formula, went to my local Ace Hardware store and paid $16 for a half a gallon of paint, $2 for a brush and a drop cloth, and I painted the wall green. And that's how I came up with the green screen. By the way, green screen paint is really expensive unless you get the formula and you go to Ace Hardware. Nice. <laughs> very, very nice. Yeah. So you've got your green screen background, and that's right. permanent, ready to go, no setup. You just walk into this right. office slash closet, uh, studio slash yeah. studio. Yeah, it's okay. Studio. It's your studio. Yeah. So you've got your green screen and and what, what equipment do you I use? have four large studio lights. I bought those on eBay. I think I paid $60 for them. Uh, you just type in video studio lights and you'll find them. There's, there's so many of them. Inexpensive. Lots of places to get equipment online. One of my favorites is cowboystudio.com. I have an inexpensive handheld camera. Today you can use your smartphone. It's just as good. The important thing is there's a jack that I can put an external microphone in. I went on Amazon, typed in lavalier microphone, and I bought a $30 Shure lavalier microphone that plugs into my camera, but I'm sure it'll plug in just fine into the iPhone or some other type of smartphone. You know, it's a great point because the philosophy is people will fudge on video, but they won't fudge on audio. So make sure you have a strong audio component. So I then have my little iPad teleprompter. If you go on eBay and you type in iPad teleprompter, and that is truly a teleprompter. You lay your iPad on a little tray and there's a screen, a piece of glass that reflects the words on the iPad to you so you can read them and right behind it is the camera so you're looking right into the camera and reading your script and if you practice it looks very very natural now you've got uh, what is it called teleprompter uh, it's called teleprompt plus 
And it also comes with Remote Plus, which goes on your iPhone, which allows you to control the speed of the teleprompter. Now, the teleprompter is going to roll automatically, but if it starts to go too fast or too slow, you can use your iPhone, which Bluetooth syncs with the iPad, and just use your thumb to slow it down or speed it up, which is a really cool technology. So you really can have a one-man studio. In your case, that's uh, something that you do twice a week. Sure, and and here's the other thing you need is you need software. If you own a Mac, you already have the software. If you don't and have a PC like I do, I went out and bought software. A friend of mine said, get Sony Vegas, and he said he would teach me how to use it. I went to the store, it was like 400 and some odd dollars, and I thought there's gotta be something less expensive, and the salesman showed me last year's version of Sony Vegas, which was like $35, because it was last year's version, and and they were just trying to clear them out. And I thought to myself, I probably can't use one-tenth of the power of last year's version. And I bought it, and it's been perfect for what I use it for. Now, I've seen your studio, and it's a really great small studio, great for headshots. You're not doing a lot more than that. But, you know, for your blogs, it's absolutely perfect. It is You're perfect. You're not going to have, uh, you know, multi-people in there doing interviews and things, but it's great for your, your yourself. And, and what I've seen is you've got your green screen, and then about three and a half feet, you're standing there with your teleprompter in hand, your uh, your iPhone, my, my iPhone with just your to remote, the teleprompter. and then about another three and a half feet in front of you there is the camera with the teleprompter that you can... That has the iPad and the tray. And yep. you've got four professional uh, Well, lights. I don't know if $60 is the price that you would call <laughs> professional. Well, you've paid for a professional look, my Yeah, friend. I have a professional look that comes from adequate lighting. Uh, adequate uh, lighting. And that's key. Mm -hmm. That's key. Uh, your studio actually puts out some really great quality as far as that prolific content that you put out there twice a week. Right. So I have about three 150 plus videos on there right now and people search on different topics customer service customer service tips remember on YouTube they're not so much looking for the speaker but they're looking for content but sometimes that content is what allows you know somebody to say oh this is great content I wonder if this person speaks sure enough they find out I do and I get booked so it does bring me business I have clients that call me up and say it all started because they were showing my videos once a month at their sales meetings that they had with their you know salespeople or their departmental meetings and that makes me feel good it's being used that way and eventually it leads to revenue it's really a powerful powerful tool and you know what the best part about it is it's free I love free and it doesn't mean it's easy and it doesn't mean it doesn't take time but the cost of creating this expertise and this thought leader concept this is one great way to add to that concept and position you the way you want to be positioned well, you know, Chef, they say that video is the key for branding, marketing, and customer relations, and it's going to continue to get bigger and bigger and more and more important. So I appreciate your tips, and I appreciate your time. Hey, thanks for having me. And now for a cup of Hoff, which is basically me waxing on about the topics of the day. This month, we've had segments on storytelling and social media. I believe these two topics are so important to our craft that my cup this month is a simple one. It's a challenge, really. My challenge is this. 
Invest in these areas. I'm not talking about time either. I'm talking cold, hard cash. There are a few topics that cover your business like these two. You've got to have a way of getting connected and you've got to rock the platform. These two areas are worth your treasure to raise your proficiency. So do it. Invest in a consultant that you've researched and has the knowledge to take your online presence to a new level. And I cannot recommend enough those those people that can help you find the stories that you should expand in your presentations, but can also help you become a rock star in presenting them. We have some wonderful coaches in our industry, so start asking for referrals. I really recommend the investment. Well, that's it for this month on VOE. I do ask for your patience as we grow this resource and adapt the app to more video. We're not in a position to do that yet, and we want to make sure that it's done right. So for now, I'll continue to add one video a month on the app version of VOE, but you can see all the videos that are available from these interviews by going to the VOE digital page in the Digital Speaker Magazine version, which by the way, I highly recommend that you read every month. This month's focus on Speaker Magazine takes the topic of storytelling through the roof. You're not going to want to miss it. Well, cheers to you, NSA. I'm Michael Hoffman. And we'll talk to you next month. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.